In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 243rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this one, Moving Forward. After the Falcons completed their season 4-12, and losing 44-27 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, it's time to move forward. A lot of change is coming. Change is on the way. Change is going to come, like Sam Cooke sung about back in the 60s. But we're talking 2020 change here as the Falcons will move on to their head coaching search. So today we're going we're gonna to mix in some of the game. The game wasn't really re- important. It was more about ending this uh, 4-12 and season, only the um, second one I've covered. The Falcons were uh, 4-12 and in 2013. Uh, then we had the six in uh, six in uh, six the next year. Well, well, yeah, the year Coach Smitty got fired in fourteen. I think they won six games that year. And uh, you know, Bobby Petrino years in there uh, with me and Steve on the beat. But uh, you know, four and twelve, Coach gets fired in the middle of the season. Just wasn't working out for Coach Dan Quinn. He came in, got him going right away with a bang. Went to the Super Bowl. Man, if they'd won that Super Bowl, uh, things would have been a lot different around here. But it didn't happen. Uh, 44 to 27, they hung tough like they did all year. Got to give the players credit for that. Um, but if you know you don't block, you can't block good enough, and you can't cover and rush the passer. Uh, those are two big flaws. So, and Coach uh, Morris on his way out said, "Hey, you know, well, we." He was talking like he was still going to be the head coach. You know, he did interview. Uh, you know, they, he said that, hey, they got to run the ball. Got to be able to run it efficiently. Just getting a big 62-yarder doesn't help. You can't just, uh, you got to run the clock. You got to run, you got to, you know, get four or five yards of carry, second and second and six, third and two, uh, and just play good old power football. And this team wasn't built for that. They weren't built for power football. So uh, that's uh, my conclusion. That's what he said. They got to run the ball and be able to rush the passer. Of course, we haven't seen them rush the passer since John Abraham retired, except for the one year Vic Beasley uh, took advantage of some uh, matchups there and got him 15 sacks and won the Deacon Jones Award and so forth. But anyway, let's get back on on focus here on the outline uh, for today's podcast. Candidates, we're going to look at those. Draft spot, they finished in fourth. The game notes, we'll go over those. Uh, we'll give you some audio here. I'm picking Matt Ryan and uh, Ricardo Allen out of the post-game interviews from yesterday. Then we'll peek ahead to the Senior Bowl, January 30th. The Combine's. February, don't have, don't have a date on that yet. Uh, and then the draft, April the 29th through May the 1st. With them picking so high, I might go into Cleveland this year. This might be, I might be able to pitch that to uh, 
Our sports editor let us go to Cleveland and be right in the green room and so forth. Well, you know, maybe the league will let, it, let us in there. We'll see. But, hey, let's get to number one. Today's hot day. It's a hot day today. I'm all excited. We got uh, Blink and uh, McKay talking at four, uh, getting some updates um, on the coaching and GM search for you. Uh, also on some of the things about the team moving forward, hopefully. And, you know, with the focal point being the quarterback, Matt Ryan, and the wide receiver, Julio Jones. Head coaching candidates, uh, Raheem Morris interviewed last Friday. Uh, his story online, he talks about the interview at length and, and so forth. So he was pretty good and forthrighteous about that. He definitely wants a job. Uh, he'll interview for other jobs if, you know, they come – for him, it's a waiting period, he says. Uh, Robert Sala was, um, Kyle Shanahan announced in his Zoom meeting that he would be uh, interviewing here in Atlanta today, uh, virtually. They said via Zoom, but I know it's Microsoft Teams because uh, they're a Microsoft team. Uh, Eric Bieniemy also, we had an NFL source tell us that he's interviewing today also. So those are the first three in the in the building for the uh, head coaching job. Morris, Sala, and Bienemy. First two general managers in the house interviews were Rick Smith and Anthony Robinson. So that's five uh, minorities uh, interviewed or African Americans. So uh, you know they're going to comply with the Rooney Rule. Arthur Blank was the original member of the committee. Uh, and and they, got, they said it was going to be a wide and inclusive search. So those are, are the first five interviews. Uh, Todd Bowes via NFL.com report. Brandon Staley and uh, Arthur Smith the uh, were supposed to be uh, reached out to, to 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 set up interviews for. They'll have to do them pretty quickly for these uh, uh, teams that are in the playoffs. Bowes. Defensive coordinator Tampa Bay was the finalist last time for the job uh, that went to Dan Quinn. Uh, had a good year in New York, went 10 and 6, then the bottom fell out. That, that The Jets are just dysfunctional. They were going through GMs and coaches at a high rate, getting ready to fire. They fired uh, Adam Gates last night. Joe Douglas may be able to stabilize things up there. I don't know who... Um, has ties to, but Raheem Morris could be a candidate in uh, in New York. He uh, went to Hofstra, uh, Long Island. Was from New Jersey, uh, so that would be you know kind of the Jersey uh, coaching tree. Bob Sutton, all these guys from up that way would help and band together to go back and save the Jets. If that's a uh, you know that's an opportunity for them. Uh, Staley's the uh, young guy, 38-year-old, first-year defensive coordinator for the Rams. Uh, John Carroll guy, Perry, Ohio guy. So, you know, he's a good football traditionalist. Uh, But young guy, 38. I don't know if you want to hand this over to a young defensive coordinator. Uh, Arthur Smith, intriguing. Uh, His dad is Mr. Fred Smith, the uh, FedEx uh, mogul. But Arthur's uh, wanted to coach football, went to North Carolina, worked his way up through the coaching ranks. He's got a fine Tennessee offense, not real flashy. A lot of uh, Derrick Henry uh, and Ryan Tannehill throwing off a power running game. That sounds a lot like the Falcons at their best under Mike Smith. Uh, So, 
that's uh, that's where we're at right now here on Monday morning. Uh, I know that ESPN report, they, they did, I don't know if they called around, I didn't read the whole thing, but they came up with the projection that Marvin Lewis uh, would come to the Falcons. Uh, Marvin, coach 16 years of Cincinnati, makes sense, makes sense as a veteran coach to come in here and, um, you know, if they're going to go with the team and not tear it down, they got to bring somebody in here they're going to listen to. It can't be an experimental thing like uh, Petrino. It's got to be a coach with a firm hand that, uh, you know, is going to be able to, to kick them uh, to a higher level and add in some talent. Uh, now, um, that's where I stand on the coaching situation here this morning. Uh, let's move on to the draft spot because, I mean, you got some options at four. I mean, you could, you could blow it up and go with um, the quarterback here or trade up like you did in 2001. Uh, when you were sitting at five, you went up from five to one to get Michael Vick. Now, if you want Justin Fields, you may have to go to one now. That was a fine performance against Ohio State. If you want Trevor Lawrence, you might have to go to one. So if these, if you b- believe that one of these two guys from Georgia or your quarterback and your franchise savior and can get those seats, the, the, get the people back in the seats, then you make that move. Uh, <clears throat> at four right now, our tankathon. That's you know, I don't know why we're going with them right now, but hey, they, they are out there doing it. We got their mock up, and they're going Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Panay Soul, Justin Fields, four to the Falcons. That's not happening <laughs> right now. And uh, Michael Parsons, uh, the, the linebacker from Penn State, is going five. So that's uh, those are the top five going in. Uh, we'll we'll um. We'll monitor that. Nobody's done a lot of work on the draft. I've been watching Jim Nagy on uh, on uh, Twitter doing the Senior Bowl announcements, and we I don't know if we're getting down there or it's going to be virtual or how we're going to uh, handle this offseason and, and getting you all the information, but uh, everything's coming up. Let's go ahead. You know, 44-27, Falcons got behind, 23, had a chance to take the lead, couldn't score, stopped in the red zone again, uh, story of the season, and then um, got it to three twice, and, you know, the Patriots just came down the field, you know, just zip, 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 boom. They were never in any danger, and they added a, a another score laid off a turnover, so they were never threatened. The Falcons played just good enough to, you know, let you say that hey, they didn't get they can get their heads beat in, but uh, you know that's just how this this team has been this year. I, they weren't in control of much of the games, uh, other than the Raiders, and uh, they controlled the Miami uh, Minnesota game, but uh, let them come back in late and make it look like it was close. So you know. To me, that signals talent. You don't have enough talent. You can't hold anybody at bay. You can't finish anybody. You can't score in the red zone. You can't convert in short yardage situations. So um, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm not in the get rid of the quarterback camp uh, because um, there's a lot of things wrong with the team, and one of, and the quarterback's not one of them. So let's hear from him right now. Queuing up some Matt Ryan for you. First one is is just in general, you know, how do you sum up a four and twelve season from the quarterback's vantage point? It's disappointing, you know. Um, coming into the year, you always have high expectations and a belief that 
uh, you're going to, you know, can be competing for a championship uh, in January, into February. And when that doesn't come to, you know, to fruition, it's, it's disappointing. So, you know, we're all obviously disappointed with how this year shook out. Um, and hopefully, you know, better days are ahead for us. Raheem just said a few minutes ago he thinks the team is close. He pointed to being able to run the ball better and getting a pass rush, and he said this would be a, a team to beat. You've talked about how close and how fine the line is. Um, what do you think is missing to get you guys over the hump? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a few things here and there, a few pieces here and there. And, you know, I do think we're, we're closer than we are far away from, you know, being in the mix and, and giving ourselves a chance. Uh, but we have to, you know, sure those things up. We have to be better. We have to find ways to finish games better than we have. Do you want Raheem Morris to be the next head coach of the Falcons? I love Raheem. You know, I think he's, he's done a great job for us. Uh, he's a great football coach, whether it's here or somewhere else. He's going to be a, a, a head coach in this league. There's no doubt about it. He's, he's a good football coach. And, uh, you know, I, I trust, you know, our, our front office to, to, you know, go out there and find, you know, the best person for, for, for our organization. And so we'll see what happens. But uh, I've loved Raheem his entire time here. How closely are you going to watch the coaching search? And are you going to have any input with Rich McKay or Arthur Blank? No, I think, you know, it's, it's in their hands um, to, to make a decision to, to go through this process to find the best person for, uh, you know, our, our organization when it comes to head coach and GM. And um, they know where, you know, I'm at. If they need me, I'm obviously available and, and willing to, you know, give my input. But, uh, and, and I've done that with them consistently throughout my career. And so uh, they, they, they know how I feel, but uh, it's, it's definitely on them. Does the preferred style or background of the next coach matter at all to you? I just want to win games. You know, I think that's that's where we're all at. Uh, style, uh, to me, you know, let's just find the, the person who's going to help us uh, get over that hump and, and find a way to, to win more football games and, you know, to be competitive late into the year. Do you plan on trying to talk Alex Mack into coming back? Uh, that's a conversation I have to have with Alex. You know, that's, that's one of those things, um, you know, we got to see where his, his head's at. He's had a tough couple of weeks, you know, with, uh, concussion and then being able to come back and then COVID, uh, certainly not, you know, the way he'd like to end a year, but he's, he's had a great run here. Uh, he, he's been an awesome teammate and, uh, you know, I'll see kind of where his head's at for, for the future, but, you know, that's a decision best you know, fit for, for him and his family. You were sacked 41 times this season. What do you feel like is missing for this to continue to be a problem each year with you now being sacked 40-plus times in three straight seasons? Well, there's a number of reasons for it. You know, a lot of, a lot of those happen in, in situations where you're late in games trying to get back in. And, uh, you know, if we can play more consistently and, uh, you know, have, you know, our entire playbook at our disposal, whether it be run game, play action, or, or whatever, I think that, that helps. Uh, and then, you know, I think we'd like to run the football more effectively than we have. I think, uh, you know, when, when you can do that, uh, it, it certainly helps pass protection. From August to now, how would you say your rapport with Hayden Hurst has grown? I think it's gotten a lot better. I really do. I think you know, I thought his production was, was really good for us uh, the last five, six weeks. I mean, he became a bigger part of the plan. Uh, obviously, with Julio out, we, we you know had to adjust, and uh, I think he showed that that he could 
take on that role. And uh, I think it's, you know, it, it's going to be a nice piece for us moving forward. And, and uh, I think he's hungry to, you know, continue to get better. Got a big picture NFL question for you. A couple long playoff uh, droughts were snapped today. What were you doing back in 2002, the last time the Browns made the playoffs? Uh, 2002, I was, gosh, I was a junior in high school. <laughs> so I was, I was playing basketball at this point. Football season was long over, right in the middle of basketball season, enjoying myself. What happened on that handoff to Brian Hill that uh, he fumbled? Or that there was a fumble? Yeah, that was. I was trying to seal off the back edge, and I've got to do a better job of, of getting um, getting the ball in his stomach, and you know, trying to. There was a free safety pressure off the weak edge. I tried to kind of use my hip to, to keep him from blowing the play up, but I've got to do a better job of, of getting it in there. What are your immediate plans in terms of the off season, and what does a successful off season look like for you, just in terms of your preparation for next year? Well, I think. You know, first you want to take a little bit of time, get some rest, and you know, just kind of get back to neutral. But I think a successful off season is is you know putting in the work, finding ways that you can be better. You know, attacking a handful of things to try and be a better player, and then you know trying to get your body ready for for the long haul of of the season. And uh, I feel like I've I've got a good process for that. I've been able to stay you know relatively healthy. Um, you know, for a long time. And uh, so, but it requires a lot of work. And so putting in that work and, and making sure I'm physically fit and, and mentally, you know, ready to go is is, uh, is my focus. Do you think there's any chance that you're not back with the team next season? I don't think so. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I think I'm here. Uh, I feel like I can be, you know, a, a really good football player for this team for a long time. Um, you know, but no one knows, you know, you, you, you never know in, the, in this league what can happen. Um, but I feel, you know, I feel good about it. And, and I feel like, you know, I want to be here and want to be a part of, of getting this turned around and being back in the playoffs. There you go, Matt Ryan. Quarterback wants to be a part of it, doesn't want to go. Uh, one of the key things there, Hayden Hurst, he had a career high 56 catches for 571 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, we requested him yesterday, but he didn't want to come and speak with the local media. Um, 88 targets, 63.6% uh, catch rate. That's low. Hooper was up around 80. Uh, but you know he got 88 targets, 56. Uh, they can they can make they can certainly get that relationship better. Will be key to uh, getting on the same page. You know when you moving forward. Uh, let's go. Let me get to the game notes here. We'll just go through those. Um, you know the um, it was you know they gave up almost 400, almost 500 yards. Uh, you know they. Uh, 485 yards uh, converted on, uh, go through some of the notes here, 7 to 14 on third downs, 2 or 3 on fourth downs. Uh, they won the time of possession, 33 minutes and 12 seconds to 26 and uh, 26 minutes and 48. You know, Ryan was 29 to 44 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, and a 97.3 passer rating. He also had the one rushing touchdown. So uh, they couldn't girl. They kept 
Gurley was 9 of 18. They tried to give it to him on one, and uh, then they had to go with the quarterback sneak uh, for, for that, that one. Uh, Ryan with the two touchdown passes on Sunday. Ryan now has 347 touchdown passes. Moving past Brett Favre, who has 346 for the fourth most touchdown passes through a player's first 13 seasons. Uh, Ryan finished the season with 4,564 yards on 405 of 621 uh, attempts, 65.2% completion rate, 26 touchdowns. Marked the seventh time in the season with at least 4,500 yards. Uh, Passing Peyton Manning for the sixth most in league history. Only Drew Brees has more with eight. Of course, uh, running back Brian Hill recorded a career-high 136 yards from scrimmage, 94 rushing, 42 receiving. Uh, Cunningham was calling for Brian Hill from the very beginning. Uh, you know, uh, he thought Todd Gurley was at the end of his rope, and it was pretty clear that he was, um, you know, as the season progressed. Uh, that left chronic left knee just, uh, you know, didn't hold up. So Hill finished the season with 94 yards on nine carries in the game, including a 62-yard run. He matched his career high with three receptions and uh, had a single-game career high of 42 yards receiving. Russell Gage matched the career high with nine catches for 91 yards and one touchdown, finished the season with career highs in receptions, 72, and yards, 786, and touchdowns, four. Calvin Ridley, they held him in check. They weren't going to let him get loose like he did last time uh, with 10 catches for 163. So whenever he caught the ball, there were two people kind of, you know, right there to try to lay him out. And they got one ball off of him uh, yesterday. So I finished with eight catches for 52 yards. Fifth game with at least eight catches. I really finished the season with career highs and receptions with 90. Receiving yards, 1,374, while leading the team with nine touchdown catches. And then Hayden Hurst had the four catches for 28 and a touchdown. Uh, he's had a touchdown in uh, each of the final three games of the season. And then uh, those were all career highs. I told you about the 56, 571, and six touchdowns. Dante Fowler had a... Uh, you know, I thought that I thought that was nonsense uh, last week, where they were saying, "Well, he didn't play that hard." You, they sent him out there on a high ankle sprain. He can't run around. Then he hurts his hamstring, and they want to say, "Well, he didn't work out. He got to get his body together." And yada yada yada. Um, so maybe that's true, but I mean, he shouldn't have been playing on a high ankle sprain. I don't care how he got it, and uh, uh, you know, they, they, I, I'm. Uh, it was injuries this year. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that to him. I want to see a healthy Dante uh, Fowler and see what he can do. But he got a sack. You know, third of the year he got a sack against the uh, Bucks. So we'll see if he's a part of the future. He's kind of got to be the the salary cap situation so jacked up. Uh, you know, you're gonna be keeping most of this team here. We're gonna go through that um, uh, as a Sunday story probably this week. Uh, and we definitely will do our stay and go. But, I mean, they kind of telling you who's staying and going based on the money. And then there'll be some uh, additional salary cap 
casualties. Or at least there used to be under the old GM. We'll see what the new GM does with that. So, Keanu Neal, he had a team high seven. You never like it when the safeties are leading you in tackles, and that was the case in this one. Keanu had seven. Ricardo with five. He had an interception, his second of the season, 11th of his career. And uh, Young Ho Koo made two or two field goals. Um, and three or three extra points finished the season with a franchise record 37 made field goals on 39 attempts, including eight of eight on field goals more than 50 yards. Of course, he had the big miss in Kansas City, could have sent the game in overtime, but uh, still nonetheless had a good season. It was going to the Pro Bowl. Kickoff returner. Chris Rowland, he had two returns of 26.5 yards. That's that's the number you want to hit, 25. Uh, Andre Roberts told us that. So the uh, rookie from Tennessee State uh, had a little bit more pop in the return game than Brandon Powell. They should have went with him earlier. But, um, you know, there was you know you didn't have the offseason and all that kind of stuff. So they didn't go with uh, – the rookie, when he was clearly probably going to be a better returner than Brandon Powell was. And just looking over the rest of the stats here, we think we got everything covered there. You know, the Todd Gurley, 9-18. Yeah, that's, uh, man, good. Which Todd the best? I don't think he's going to be back. Um, you know, they uh, had a one-year contract, make good. It didn't work out for either party. And uh, Kendall Sheffield stuck his nose in there and got five tackles, too. Uh, Foyer Ulukan had seven, so that was a tie for a lead with Neil. But your top uh, four tackles are D-backs. That's bad. That's really bad, yeah. Neil was seven, Ricardo five, Sheffield five, and A.J. Terrell two in a pass defense. So those are your game notes out of the 47 to 20, 44 to 27. Lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the playoff-bound Tampa Bay Bucks, going to the playoffs for the first time since 2005. Uh, won 11 games for the first time since 2005. Also, so uh, they are moving on up. They're gonna play the uh, Washington Football Team in the first round of the playoffs. So this weekend or this week, we'll you know wrap up the coaching search and maybe look ahead to the playoffs for you for your Wednesday uh, podcast. But um, we're gonna get out of here. I want to go to Ricardo Allen, and then we will get out of here with a quick look ahead. Let's get Mr. Allen here together. I always, I always appreciate Rico. Here he is. I uh, will get right to it. Even with the record being what it was, what do you think this 2020 team has showed an incoming GM? Man, you know, we show that we can, you know, we can fight with a lot of teams. We can fight with really every team that was out there. Um, when you, when you, when you get to it and you just go back and look through the game, we have the talent, we have the people. It's just we got to put it all together. So. I think, you know, coming in, they, he would know that he has a fighting team. And even though the record wasn't there and even though uh, we wasn't playing for really anything, if he just put on the tape for the last couple of weeks, he could see um, players who really, you know, want to be here, who players who want to be around and who want to fight for, you know, the Falcon organization as a whole. So, you know, he just got to try to sit there and, um, you know, we never know what's going to go on, but hey, just got to go with it, really. <laughs> 
I'm sure you had a high expectations when the, you started the year. Is there any way you can kind of explain what went wrong this season? Oh, man, it, it was a lot. It was a lot that went wrong. And, you know, it, it, I can't really ever pinpoint, you know, anything. But I'm always just go back on myself and just say that, you know, we, we need more out of, out of the players. Because at the end of the day, the players are the ones who play on the field. So, you know, as a, as a group, you know, we didn't we didn't get it done. We didn't get it done as a, uh, I don't know, 53, 63, how many ever was there. We didn't get it done. So I'm always focused on, you know, myself and uh, us as a group. And I, I would say that that's the, that's the case. Even giving up almost 500 yards of offense today, how do you feel as though the defense evolved since Albrecht took over as D.C.? Yeah, um, we were very adaptable. We was um, a, a team that was um, able to come out in different looks, come out in different um, defenses. Uh, we were able to place people and put them all kinds of places. We have so many different uh, pieces that you can use in um, different spots and stuff like that. You know, we was aggressive. We tried to get out there and fight, even though today wasn't, you know, one of our best showings. We have been fighting this whole second half since he got an opportunity. We just wish we were to finish it a little better. What makes Tom Brady so tough to defend, especially when you have to face him twice in three weeks? He's smart. He's smart. And at the end of the day, like, that's, that's most of it. He um, he's no, he knows. You can just tell by the look on his face that he knows most of the time of what you're in. You know, he's just waiting to just go through his reads. He's one of the guys who um, he stays on schedule. He really don't, you know, like at the end, when we had got real close to him, he stopped throwing the ball down the field. He just started to uh, throw those quick passes out to the wide receivers. That was mostly like a run. So he knows how to just kind of like chip away. Every time he came out in um, a too high look, he would just you would see him tap his helmet, can the ball, can the um, play, and start running the ball. So he was always going for a numbers. He he kind of like a coach on the field. So you're playing against someone who probably has like the whole playbook at his dispense. And because I, I heard him call out uh a 25 belly, which I knew was a uh, a run play to the right because of the, of the 25. But for him, for me to hear him say 25 belly, he must have switched the whole play because you typically don't hear a, a quarterback come out there and, and fully switch things. But he was. Have I, I think you talked about this briefly on Friday? But have you thought about uh, for those of us not on the call? For, um, can you have you thought about your future with the team and do you want to continue to play in the league and be with the Falcons? Yeah, um, I was, you know, yeah, <laughs> I haven't really thought about it really, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to keep playing. You know, that, that, that's like my thing. Like, if, if, if I can go and fight for the Falcons, this is my team. This is why I've been for um, seven years. I'm always down to play for it. But um, you know, if, it, if if that's not the case, if I end up going somewhere else, then I can make the opportunity. I can, I can um, pick my choices of if I still want to play as a player because I do things for purpose. I don't just do things for money. Like I don't. I don't got to make money no more, sorry to say. Like, uh, not sorry to say, but I don't, I don't do this for money. I do this for purpose. And my whole time being here, and my whole time playing football my whole life, I've been doing it, I've been doing it for purpose. So, um, like, if they want me here, I'd love to keep playing here. You know, if, if I don't like, you know, if they don't want me here no more and I got to go somewhere else and I don't like the options that, you know, are presenting myself, I think I can take my opportunities and go into coaching. And then I start working my way up that ladder and try to be a head coach. So, it is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm grateful for my opportunities. Like, I plan for... You know, this my you know my time being with the Falcons. You know, as you know, most of the NFL players only last three three years. So, for me to be here, you know, in one team for seven years is a is a blessing within itself. But I've always been crafting, and I've always been ready for um whatever the next day or whatever the next opportunity has for me. So, wherever it goes, I'm grateful. Um, I'm happy, and I can take it as that. What was the game's message? 
What was Raheem's message to the team in the locker room after this final game? Yeah, just uh, really finding out who you are and what your role is in this league. You know, showing that we can do it. We're a tough-ass team, and we're always right there. We just uh, we didn't capitalize, and, and we didn't fully uh, do it how we wanted to. We didn't go out with the bang that we wanted to. Um, just to clear it up, I think Ra is a, a, a very good coach, and I think he's deserving of being a head coach. And, and even though the record doesn't seem like that, he's a real deal. I'd have been around some really good coaches, and, um, yeah, he's a good one. That was Ricardo Allen. Said Raheem Morris is the real deal, which I concur with. I don't know if they fit here, uh, but they'll figure that out. But, yeah, let's look ahead and wrap up and get out of here. Senior Bowl, January 30th, down in Mobile. I don't know what the, the plans are. We were just trying to get through the season. Now we'll try to get through the off season. Um Combines in February. Uh, the draft is April 29th through May the 1st. And, uh, you know, we're going to give you all some playoff uh, coverage here, too. So, uh, we'll uh, get situated with the playoffs later in the week. Uh, but next up is the head coaching search and the general manager search. Change the course of the Atlanta Falcons franchise. The Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, Mike Smith era is over. The Falcons are going to be pointing in a new direction here shortly. And we'll see where that goes. The franchise has uh, been on a, you know, a good little run here last, uh, you know, since 2008, since they drafted Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, they haven't had to have back-to-back losing seasons twice, just 13 and 14. And then now here uh, with these two 7 and 9s, and then now this 4 and 12 season. So it's time to pivot and try to get back to the winning ways. So with that, let's get out of here. This is the 243rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.